have some guests with us today. Mike, good to have you with us. Amen. And we have Kathy and uh, her better half over there. To see our, there you go. Nice to have them from Roseburg. I remember that part of it. Amen. And uh, then this tall feller in the uniform there. Amen. Mike, good to have you back with us. Amen. You're looking good. Praise God. Amen. And it's also, it's good to see Jack and Sarah with us. If you don't know, they, they were involved in a fender bender. A little bit more than that, I guess, but uh, we're glad that they are here today and uh, the rest of you. Amen. Praise God. God good? Amen. We could get those lights dimmed down a little bit. Brother Ryan, I would appreciate it greatly. And Amen. Just good to see each and every one of you. It is always great to be in the house of God to worship Him on a something about a Sunday. I'm telling you, something about Sundays. It, uh, Amen. They have captured my attention for many, many years. Hallelujah. We're going to call your attention to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. We're going to read just one verse today. Do pray for uh, Brother Jack Snyder. Uh, he is uh, not doing good today, so Brother Tim Hollingshead also. Do remember to pray for your brothers and your sisters. Amen. How many of us are here today that you are missing and you would greatly desire for a family member to be sitting right beside you today. Sure, remember to pray. All right, Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10. Paul writing, listen to this. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. We could probably just stop right there, couldn't we? And do we have something to rejoice about? Sure we do. Amen. He says that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Amen. And there's a lot more that leads into that scripture, but we'll stop there and then we'll get back to it hopefully. But we'd like to preach to you this morning on this thought. Putting opportunity into action. Amen. Putting opportunity into action. Would you lift your heart to the Lord one more time? Most Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we are so very thankful to be here today. We are thankful for your healing touch, God, that you have put upon some that have been sick, Lord. We're thankful for your hand of protection, God. Lord, we're praying as we always do. We're asking that you would be here more than anything, Lord, that your presence, God, would minister to us here today, that your word would serve its purpose here today. 
and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Imagine giving a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If you're here this morning, that's exactly what each and every one of us have been given. Plain and simple. You have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Amen. It is your turn, my turn, it is our turn to live. And it only happens once in this life. Only happens once. And I don't want to sound disrespectful in any way here today, but I just want you to, to feel the importance of the lifetime that we have been given here today. And I can guarantee you this morning that there was a very famous individual, and I'm not judging any one person here today whatsoever, but I can guarantee you this morning that there is no Margaritaville. There is none. It does not exist. And what would you do if you had such an opportunity? How would you live? How have we done so far with this opportunity that God has given us? I had the opportunity yesterday to get together with all of my brothers, all six of us. Yep, all six of us. We try to do it every year, and uh, we met uh, where four of them live. Two of us live here in Tri-Cities, but we met in Vancouver, Portland. It's all the same to me for the most part, but and I paid the price. <laughs> but what a great time. And as we, we laughed harder than ever before, and then we called my sister, who is still alive, so all seven of us. And I got to thinking, because our parents, uh, I've testified before and told you a little bit of our story. Our parents did not live to a ripe age. Father passed away at 45, mom at 62, and uh, a lot of uh, a lot of experiences growing up. And I looked and I thought, wow, we've done pretty good with what. We started with. Amen. And I wonder this morning, the opportunities that God has given to us right here and today, this moment of time, how 
have I done? As I was sitting there yesterday, I thought, how have I done as a brother? How have we done? How many of you have siblings? How have you done? Given the opportunity to be a brother, how well have you done with that opportunity? How well have you done if you are a sister? How well have I done as a husband? How well have you done? You, if you are here today and God has given you the opportunity to be a brother, to be a sister, and if he has enlarged that capacity and he has given you the opportunity to be a husband or a wife, how well have you done? Are you good with where you are today? Really? I mean, right? How, how good have I done? How many of you would raise your hand and say, oh, yeah, man, I have done, like, you can't believe how well I've done. No, probably most of us, we would say, well, you know, there is probably a little bit of room for improvement. Something to think about. Or how well have I done as a mom or dad? How have I done up to this point? My children, they still, your family still a part of your life? Just something to consider. I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not judging anybody today. I'm just giving you a reality check, giving the opportunity to take on or be something more than just a single individual how well have I done God given me that opportunity? How well have I done as a dad? How well have I done as a grandfather? And remember, it's only an opportunity. That's all it is. It's an opportunity that you and I, we have to take Action, we have to take that opportunity and we have to put it into action as to how am I going to love this individual and how am I going to care for my family and how am I going to provide for my family and how good am I going to be as a son or daughter following the lead of my mom and dad instead of as Brother Clemson brought up so uh, adequately this morning instead of being in a state of rebellion. How good am I doing as a son or a daughter? Because my parents know they have been where you are, son and daughter. And they really truly want the best for you. Can you say amen, parents? It's an opportunity Imagine having a desire to do something, something that had great meaning for you and never getting the opportunity to prove yourself. 
If only the Yankees would call me up to the majors. If they would only give me an opportunity, I would show them. My first time at bat, I'd hit a home run. Only a few will get that. Or if only my dad, if only I could play quarterback and my dad could be the coach, I'm sure I could throw for 500 yards given the opportunity. Only a few of you will get that one. The oldest heavyweight boxer turned preacher in history, the great George Foreman said this, don't let opportunity lead you away from serving God. He said that is a price that is too high to pay. So it's my turn. It's my turn to live. It's my turn to love. It's my turn to serve. It's my turn to take an opportunity to do what it is that I have this desire to do. It's my turn to still continue and to improve and maybe become a better father or a better husband or a better grandfather or maybe it is an opportunity for me right now today in this moment of time. Maybe I have an opportunity to do something more impactful for the kingdom of God. Maybe God has given me an opportunity to where I can do something more than I ever thought that I could possibly do. In our reading this morning, Paul said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord. Why, Paul? Well, that now at last you have renewed your concern for me. Could we throw in there the work of God? That I have rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at last you have renewed your concern for the things of God. He said, indeed, you were concerned about me before, but you had no opportunity to show it. Quoting from Chuck Swindoll, his commentary, he says, 10 years had passed since Paul had founded the church there at Philippi. 10 years. Since that time, he had only made a short visit during one of his travels. That was the only time he had seen them in those 10 years. However, when word reached the Philippian church that Paul had been imprisoned in Rome, waiting for his trial before the great Caesar, said they hastened to send Aphroditus with a financial gift to help with his expenses. The act of unexpected and unrequested benevolence caused Paul to, re to rejoice in the Lord greatly. That monetary gift was more than just a means to pay bills. 
It was a tangible expression of the church's sacrificial love because it was a token of their concern for him and their willingness to continue to partner with him in the ministry. We are laborers together. The angels do rejoice, the Bible says, every time that the church, which you are, every time the church leads a precious soul to repentance and then to baptism and then the infilling of the Holy Ghost and then them wanting and having a desire because they know that God has given them a new opportunity to serve him, to love people, to serve with purpose. Paul said, it causes me to rejoice greatly if the angels rejoice. How about it, church? Shouldn't you and I rejoice whenever somebody becomes concerned about the work of God? They had been concerned about the welfare of the ministry, but they had lacked opportunity to put that concern into action. There's a reason why the book of Acts is called the book of Acts. Yes, it is the history of the first century church. Yes, it is the book of the Acts of the Apostles. But more simply put, the book of Acts is simply the church given an opportunity to carry on the ministry as an extension of the ministry of the God-man, Jesus Christ. It is simply the church with an opportunity that was so rich and so pure and so full of love. It was their opportunity putting the church in action. See, a person can have the skill set. person can have resources. person can have the desire to do something. But without the opportunity to perform, that is like a dry mustard seed just waiting for someone to see its God-given potential to fulfill that parable word of the God-man Faith given the opportunity to grow into the fertile soil of a heart can produce miracles. That's what we have. We have it all. As a young man, first giving my heart to God, as so many of you understand also, I was just in awe of the understanding of what God had given to me as a young man. I was in awe, Brother Jacob, when I considered that God would put into the hands 
of a young broken man, something so powerful, something so full of resource, something that was an answer to every dilemma. I said every problem. I said every challenge. It, It was the answer. I was in awe that he would put this into my hands and give me an opportunity to serve him and to love people. what it was like. That's that's like a a mustard seed. It's dry. It has the potential. But unless somebody puts their, their faith into action, unless somebody takes the responsibility and takes that seed and puts it under some fertile soil, that mustard seed will stay dry. You have that potential. I have that potential. We had that. And then it was that the word of God came to us and it did something. It germinated that seed. That word became alive and it took on the power of his own spirit. Faith, given the opportunity to grow in the fertile soil of your heart, can produce miracles. Or can we say, given the opportunity, put faith into action. Yes, your prayer, given that opportunity, to express itself in words of faith can move mountains. How many of you believe that? John 7, 6, the apostles and in fact the entire nation of Israel is in a celebration mood. Why not? It's the Feast of Tabernacles. It's camp meeting time for those people. It's celebrating the end of harvest. It's living outdoors making booths to live under for a week and having just a good old time. A lot of singing, a lot of playing instruments, a lot of talking about how God has been so good to them. Question from the apostles to Jesus, Lord, are you coming with us to the feast? Jesus said, my time is not yet come, but your time is always. He said, your time is always ready. In other words, every moment that he allows you and I to take a breath, I, not to get off my thought here, but I heard something the other day that just astounded me. I had a good friend that I used to work with and found out he had a heart attack and so called him to see how he was doing and doing better, but I'd never heard of him putting a vest, a shock vest on you. He's got a shock vest. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, they gave me a vest and if my heart stops, this vest will shock me and get my heart going again. I said, what? 
Some of us need a shock today. Yeah, we need a shock. But Jesus said, my time has not yet come. He said, now listen carefully to me. He said, but your time is always ready. In other words, it's always, it is always opportunity for you. It's always opportunity. If you're alive, if you're sitting on that pew this morning, you're sitting on one of those blue chairs this morning, it's always your opportunity to be better dads, to be better mothers, to be better brothers, to be better children, to be a better servant of God. He said, you're, you're, if you're always, it's your opportunity. No, not right now. Thank you, Siri. Did you hear? See, the Feast of Tabernacles was an opportunity for that nation to celebrate camp meeting, outdoor barbecues. But Jesus would wait. He would take the right opportunity for him. Verse 37, it says, in the last day, those people were all celebrating. They were happy. They were filled. Their bellies were filled. They had had good conversation. The rabbis had taught them good, and everything was going good. They were filled with hope. And then all of a sudden, on the last day, the Bible says that in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He said, He that believeth on me, as the scriptures has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers, rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit which they that believe on him should receive, should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Opportunity, the church, with the nation of Israel, they were celebrating, they were eating, they were drinking, they were looking for the Messiah. And there, all of a sudden, on that last great day, there he was, and they didn't recognize that it was him. Six months later, he would finish his work. Then, after that, the Holy Ghost was poured out. On the day of Pentecost, he would be giving the apostles their turn, their opportunity to carry on the work of God on earth, their opportunity. But he wouldn't allow them until first that the message was completed, that the blood atonement was in place. He wouldn't let them, he wouldn't turn them loose yet until they were filled, till they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That's why Acts 16 and 6, whoa, can you imagine given that opportunity in that day? Can you? I can't. 
I know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is a little bit of a difference when you have personally walked with him in physical form and you have ate with him and drank with him and he has touched you physically and you, yeah, there's a little bit of difference here in my eye, my opinion. <laughs> he would go, he told him, he says, greater work shall you do. Greater work shall you do. They would be given the opportunity to put the message into action. How well did they do? Well, in Acts, the 16th chapter, it says that they were accused of turning the world upside down. what it says. It says, these are those that have turned their world upside down. Let me ask you a question. Have you turned your family upside down yet? Have you turned your neighborhood upside down yet? Come on, church. We are here for a purpose today. We're not here to make careers out of ourselves. We're not here to make uh, some big fame and fortune out of ourselves. We are here because we have been given the God-given opportunity to give good news to the world, to proclaim that Jesus is alive. They turned their world upside down. He wouldn't leave them without everything that they needed. Do we have resources today? Do we have the resources? Do we have the message of remission of sins? Do we have the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Just wondering. Do we have the completed version? both old and new. Do we have good news? Do we have the comforter? Did he leave us with a mediator and a high priest that can be touched with our infirmities? Do we have the right, the God-given right, to move boldly into that throne of grace in the time of our troubles on earth? Did he leave us with opportunities? Did he leave us with his abiding presence? He did. Did he leave us with a promise that he would never, never, never leave us nor forsake us? Now, all I need is an opportunity to make a difference. But where am I going to go, Lord? Well, you know, he says you could go to the 
highways and the hedges and the byways. You could, could take a trip through Samaria. Nobody wants to go there. He said, everyone that thirsts, let him come. How? How are we to take advantage of an opportunity to impact our world for the good? Does the day that we live in, does it, isn't there a, a, a cry from every household that does not know the name of Jesus? Isn't there a cry that comes from every town, every village, saying, give me good news today. Well, you know, if I was given that opportunity at the right age, I would make a difference. How many of you consider yourself young today? Or maybe we use that as an excuse not to do anything for God. Samuel served in the temple as a helper at a young age. We don't know how old, but he was young. Children, young people, what can you do? Given an opportunity, what can you do? Anna, at the age of, we know, over 80, served, the Bible says, she served in the temple night and day with prayer and fasting. Did it pay off? It did. Jesus told the Samaritan woman in John 3 that there was, there was going to come an hour that God was going to identify there was going to be the hour of the worshiper that was going to come. The hour of prayer was going to come in the early church on the third hour. And then Paul and Silas, they were going to pray at midnight. If I knew who God was and if I could find him, I would worship him with all of my heart. You see, God is an equal opportunity, God, in the sense according to the parable of the 11th hour labor. Everyone gets a penny. The pay is the same. It don't matter if you were called in third, sixth, ninth, or the eleventh hour. That parable tells me that we are all going to receive the same award. That is eternal life with him in that really, really big city, Brother Steve. Really big city. But there's a couple of points to ponder in this story, and that is, for me, I've always been intrigued by the 11th hour laborers. They were the leftovers. You read it. Bible says nobody would hire them. Nobody wanted them. But when the vineyard keeper, when the owner of the harvest field came, the thing that stands out to me was that 
The harvest is so important and the hour is so late that he called those 11th hour laborers in to do something that only they could do. He had saved them for that particular hour. I believe this morning that you and I are in that 11th hour. I believe that the church, especially today, is, been, is made up of people just like me, just like you, that the world at one point in time disdained us. They thought that we were losers per se, and maybe, in fact, some of us were. But I am convinced that that parable speaks so loud to the church that, as we heard this morning, we are closer to the rapture of this great espoused bride than you ever thought was possible. We are seeing things in today's world that will totally, if the prophets could wake up this morning, they would be shaking their heads and they would be saying, oh church, do you know what you have in store? Do you know the opportunity that you have been given to close this thing out? I wonder what John the Baptist would do if he would be resurrected and cloned today. I wonder how hot his message would be. I wonder today what Jeremiah would be like if he woke up in today's world and he knew the ending from the beginning as we do. I wonder what kind of fire would be released from his bones But here is a couple of things that we need to understand. No one would hire them, but the master, the one that owned the harvest field, the one that was trying to get it all in before the day ended. They had to endure the heat of the, the hottest part of the day. You and I sometimes, I do, maybe you're not guilty of it. But there are times in my life where I think and I meditate and I pray and I say, oh God, we are 2,000 years removed from your firstborn. But then it comes to me again that he would not put us into a place of the closing hour of the harvest unless there was something very special about you, Kelly Smith, and about you, Sister Lydia, and about you, Brother Clemson, and about you, Sister Gillen, and that was what? That was your opportunity and your ability to sustain and persevere in the hottest part of the catastrophe of the world. 
and it's going to get hot. Don't kid yourself. Some of us sit here like, you know, and some of us have the mindset that things are just going to go on peachy keen. It's not. We are living in the era of time that the 11th hour labors are being called. It's their opportunity to go into that harvest field. Sister Jeannie, the Lord has blessed you and Brother Larry. You're still alive today. It's your it's my opportunity. I can endure the heat as long as I know that the master has called me and that the master has given me the opportunity to enter into that harvest field and labor one more hour. And here, here's what I believe that the most important part of those 11th hour labors is. Here's what I believe that, that was there so important that God's seen in their lives. Here's what it is. They were sent in there to finish the work by encouraging those that were still there. You see, as far as I know, nobody had left yet. Payday wasn't yet. They were sent into that field. They were saying, come on, church. We're, we are going to finish this thing. We are going to finish. I want you to know that God sent me into this harvest field. He saw something in me that said, GK, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. You're going to endure some heat, but in the meantime, you're going to encourage it. You're going to inspire. You're going to help these people to understand that we're in this together. That's what we do. You're going to make it. 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 Brother McCune, you're going to make it. You may not be as strong as you once were, but you're going to make it. God's not done with you, apparently. Brother Sam... God will bless me and allow me to have children. I know it can be a great parent. Hello, parents. Hello, parents. Oh, if God would just give me an opportunity. It is an opportunity of a lifetime, or is it a lifetime of opportunity? Opportunity put into action as you stand with us today. Caleb says when he's 40, we can take this promise. 40, he says, hey, we got this, man. Don't let them tell you that it can't be done because it can be done. He says, we got this. We're going in there. 
God will give us whatever it is that he has put into our destiny. At 40, he can believe that. I think one of his prayers was this. God, if you will give me an opportunity to get back to that land, I will take that opportunity and put it into action. Oh, yeah? Yeah. At 85 years old, he stands on that promise. He stares at that mountain. Joshua is offering a nice little home in the country in retirement. Caleb says, no. He says, I'll take that one right there. I'll take, that's my mountain. <laughs> Joshua says, well, hey, man, you know, Anak, whoever, there's some giants up there. Caleb says, that's okay. He says, I want you to know that I am as strong I think he was talking more about his faith than anything. He says, I'm as strong today as I ever was. He says, I have not faded away from believing this message of conquering any mountain, of conquering any giant. He says, God has kept me alive. He says, give me that mountain and I'll take care of the giant. You can only imagine those guys on the sidelines, right? Some of those folks sitting at the box said they they were they were video, they were taking motion pictures of that boy. Because nobody thought he could do it. My understanding is he took that mountain, Brother Woods, and he he took out every giant on top of that and he proclaimed that and I believe if I'm not mistaken he named that mountain Hebron the mountain of God opportunity is ours today opportunity you're here this morning God's giving you an opportunity to be healed of whatever it is that is hindering you. God has given you an opportunity today to come down to the altar and repent of any sins that need to be repented of. God has given you an opportunity today to ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness. God has given you an opportunity today to start living for him in a way that you never have before. God's given you an opportunity today to love your brother and your sister as you have never loved them before. God has given you an opportunity today to pray a prayer that you have never prayed with such fervency yet. God has given you an opportunity to worship him in a way that will cause the walls to fall down. If you're here today, we encourage you to come. Come to this altar, to this front. We're not here to try to force or do anything like that, but we're here today to invite you 
to come to this front and to open your heart to the Lord. Ask him, maybe you're here today. If you need a miracle, God can do a miracle today. If you're here today and you need a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost, God can do that here today. But it's important that you take the opportunity, that you put it into action, that you lift your heart to the Lord because nobody else can do that for you. If you're here this morning, maybe it is that you need a prayer that needs answers, something you have prayed about for so many days, months, years even sometimes. I believe God can do that here right now today. He's here. He's here. As they play and sing, if you need special prayer, if you'll come right down here and just raise your hand, amen, we'll pray with you and for you that God would minister to that need here today. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hearts to Him. If you're a guest here today, you're invited to come down here. We'll make room for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift Him up this morning. Let's lift Him up. That's it. Come on. Let's worship Him. Let's worship Him. If you're in the back this morning, come on, don't be, don't be bashful. Come down here. We are a family. We're a family. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Come on. Just call on his name. Call on his name.